Well, let me first say I do know that we had a lot of people sick this week you know, with COVID and other illnesses, and looks like many of you are back, but I know we still have some that are still sick, so let's continue to pray for those that are still struggling. If you look at the title, uh, I'm not who I used to be, but I can be better. I was sitting uh, throughout this week and just happened to be listening to a song. It was actually a song I had never heard. And I began to listen to that song. And as I began to listen to the words that the, the singer was singing, it began to go back in my mind to consider who I one, once was as compared to who I am now. And that is where we get the basis of this first lesson. I have a second lesson on my phone, which is not finished. It's outlined. And I'm hoping to have that done next week. But I began to think about who, who I once used to be. Now, I will say this, I'm not the man that I used to be, but I'm also not the man I want to be. And I, I would say that probably many of you would look at who you are and where you are and say, I've made a huge change in my life, but there's still so much more I could improve on. There's still so many different areas where I need to grow and, and where I could be beneficial, specifically as it relates to the church and to our families. And so... I hope that each of you, as we begin to talk about this for a little bit, begin to you know, see the changes in your life since you've become Christians, but at the same time realize you're still a work in progress as you continue to press on towards that mark for the prize. Let's go on over to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12. We'll read down to verse 14, and we'll try to get ourselves into the mindset of we have greatly changed when we became Christians, and yet we can do a whole lot better. And I think we begin to see some of this in Paul. Philippians 3, starting in verse 12, he says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of, Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We've talked about Paul before, and we've talked about who it was that Paul was before he became a Christian. And I think as I read through many times through Paul's writings, and many of you may do the same, you see a little bit of yourself in him. And I, I know that the majority of us would probably easily admit that sometimes it is extremely hard for us to forget the past. Sometimes regarding ourselves, sometimes regarding what others maybe have done to us. And if you're a Christian, some of who you are is put to death when you become a Christian. I say some of it. It should be the bad things. There's much of it that continues on throughout our Christian faith, but I don't know everyone's background, and there will continue to be people who, who become Christians. And as you begin to talk about them and who their background was, the Bible has so many things that people struggle with, both before they become Christians and after. But what were you before you became a Christian? What would define you? Were you an alcoholic? Were you a thief? Were you an adulterer? Did you struggle in your marriage as a husband, as a wife? Did you struggle as a parent? I would say the majority of us could come back and say that, yeah, we've had areas that we have struggled with. Uh, and specifically, if we're Christians, we would say that there are many areas we struggled with prior to Christianity that now we can step back and we can say, 
I'm not who I used to be, but I can be better. And I would say the majority of us realize that we are a constant work in progress. And as Paul begins to write to the church in Philippi, it's interesting, he tells them they have to forget the past. Well, they had to forget about a number of the things probably within their own personal lives. But he also didn't want them to sit back and to rely on their accomplishments. And as we look at the the congregation there, it was a very strong, uh, faithful congregation. But it was only when they could get past the bad parts and not rely on what they had done as far as Christians that they were going to place them in, in a position where they could continue to move forward as far as growing the church and continually bettering themselves to become more like the image of Christ. And by doing that, the congregation would grow. And so this morning, I want to spend a little bit of time and I'll go back and I want to notice some of the words of Paul as we make some application to ourselves. Paul had to forget about a number of things. It's interesting he tells the Philippians that. Paul had to forget a number of things that he had done specifically regarding his persecution or the pain that he had brought upon the Lord's church. We know, and we've studied here multiple times, where Paul had caused great persecution to the Lord's church. Matter of fact, we can go throughout the book of Acts and we can read about the many times and the many things Paul did as far as persecuting the church. And you might have to ask yourself as you begin to read about Saul, who was a religious man, or Paul as we call him, what kind of man must he have been at that point in his life? couldn't go back and change the things that he had done. What was done was done. And Paul makes that that understanding as he tells them, there are some things you need to put behind yourself, some things you need to get past, some things you need to, to, to let go. Let me look at some facts about Paul. Because each of us as Christians need to realize there are a number of things in our lives we don't want to forget about. We do want to focus on them, and we do want those as attributes within our lives. But then there are other things where we've got to put those behind us. And we have to remember, that was the old us. There's the new me, and that new me changes day by day. Yeah, I'm not who I used to be, but I can be better. Look at Acts 8.1. This is after the stoning of Stephen. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. You think about who Paul, or Saul as we know him, was. He was a man who would sit here and encourage the stoning of Stephen. It says here in Acts 8.1 that he consented to it. Now, it's an interesting, if you begin to look that word up in the Greek, the word there, consent, does, just doesn't mean that he was okay with it. It literally has the implication or the understanding that he was pleased by it. He was pleased by the fact that Stephen was being murdered, was being killed. And the man that Paul once was, was pleased about not only the death of this Christian that we read about here, but others. And he did it. He hated Christianity and did all of these things with a good conscience. We read from Acts 8.3, As for Saul, or Paul as we know him, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Paul, who was he before he became a Christian? He was hurtful to people who he would later call brothers and sisters in Christ. He consented or was pleased by the fact that they were being killed. And he literally made it his mission to 
it says create havoc, but to chase down and to destroy the church. Listen to Acts 8, or sorry, Acts 9. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 because we learn a little more about him. Who was this man before he was a Christian? And Saul, yet breathing out threatening and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, he went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any of this way, let me pause. You may say, well, what way? Well, we're talking about the way of Christianity. If he found any of these Christians, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. The person that we know as Paul or we see earlier called Saul, it says was for slaughter against men and women. didn't matter to him. It says if he found anybody who was like this, Paul wanted to take them bound unto Jerusalem. Guys, that's who Paul once was. Imagine the amount of hatred by somebody who would be willing to go out and to chase down these men and these women whom he disagreed with, that he could, br he could bring them back bound to Jerusalem. But all that changed when Paul became a Christian. All of that changed. But you have to think about this for a second. The people around Paul knew, or around Saul, they knew who Saul was. They were scared to death of Saul. And so who did they know when they saw Saul? They saw that old man. Go over to Acts, 9, uh, Acts chapter 9. And, and let me say this. The disciples, they didn't, they didn't believe that Saul was truly converted when he first came unto them. They were, I think, fearful that he was an infiltrator. They knew who Saul was. They knew the old Saul. Acts 9.26, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. He tried to, he tried to join up with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Why didn't they want to trust Paul or Saul? Why didn't they want anything to do with him? Well, they, they knew who he used to be. Many still thought he was that man. Many thought he was trying to infiltrate the church. He had done so much damage that now the people that he would call his brothers and sisters in Christ, they're actually too afraid to even accept him. I don't know if we've ever had issues within the church where a Christian has done so much damage that they struggle getting rid of that baggage or that image that they carry around, or the church refuses to you know, let go of, of who they once were, and they hold that against them, but the church is scared to death. And I think Paul, as he showed up there, probably wanted to say, I'm not the man that I used to be. He was thankful that he had become a Christian. He wanted to align himself now with those he once persecuted. But as they looked at him, what they saw was who he once was. I think that is a danger within the church, especially today as we find people coming to the church to, to find you know, what they're looking for. They're trying to get away from what it is they once were. They want to they be something better. And we look at them when, when they come in, and I think we look at them like they were probably looking at Paul. We see their background. What, what were they? Were they adulterers? Were they thieves? Were they... What did they do? Are they drug addicts? Are they alcoholics? What's their, are they still like that? Is that who they are? They looked at Paul that way. 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 through 13. 
Yes, they looked at Paul like that, but Paul realized he wasn't who he was before. 1 Timothy 1.12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer, and a persecutor, and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Paul knew who he, who he had been. He's, he's, not, he's not suggesting that the things that he did were okay. He knew who he was. He knew the things that he did. I think he struggled with, with what he did. He didn't continue to dwell on the old man. He would have never have been able to do the great things he did for the church had he not been able to put who he was behind him and to begin to move on and to carry out the will of the Lord. And so I guess here's the question, and it's the question for each of us, whether you're a new Christian, whether you've been a Christian a long time, are you struggling with the past? Are you currently struggling with who you are right now? Because I'm sure for a time Paul was struggling with the past. But I'm sure there were times when Paul struggled with who he was at that very second. And, and I think any of us would be lying if we'd say we haven't been in that position. We've all struggled with things we have done before. We've asked ourselves, what, how would I allow myself to do that? Why did, I, why did I succumb to that? And we struggle and we focus on the past. And then there are times when we might be focusing, and that may be you right now, you're focusing on whatever it is you are currently struggling with right now. And I don't know what that is. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe you're struggling in your faith as an individual. Maybe you're struggling in your faith in, in Christ. It could be a number of things. Maybe you're struggling as a parent. Paul understood, and I, I think he wants us to understand as we begin to read through this, we can make a, a choice and we can make a change to overcome the old man that we once were and to be something better. But we need to remember this, the old man's going gonna to reemerge from time to time. Don't think for a second you're going to live your Christian faith and never mess up. We will. And so what do we do then? Well, we continue to choose and to change. We continue to choose to do what the Bible teaches us to do, and we continue to change. And that's why I said, as I was sitting here thinking about this, I'm not who I once was, but I know I can do better. And I think Paul understood that. He needed to continue to choose and to change. As he put the old behind and he realized in the areas where he could improve or the areas where he, he maybe fell short, he could choose and he could change. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That includes every one of us. We're going to all fall short and occasionally sin. We can choose and we can change. Paul knew this was an ever-continuing battle. There is never going to be a time in our life where we just have the easy walk and we don't struggle. We are going to struggle day by day, week by week, and year by year. And those struggles change depending on where we are in our walk, our walk with God and where we are in our age and, and what aspects in our life. Children come, children go. Our loved ones, they come, they go. And so as I began to listen to that song... On Wednesday, it began to remind me that like Paul, I, I wasn't the man that I once was, but like Paul, I realize I'm not the best man that I can be. And I would say each of you, if you're going to be honest with yourself, would probably say, as Christians, you're not who you once were. But how much more could you improve on? Day by day, how much could you improve yourself? 
Well, we have to keep working. And think about this for just a second, because I don't, I don't know where you've struggled. I don't know what you're going through right now. And you may think, well, God, how could God forgive me? If God could forgive Paul for the things that Paul had done, including encouraging Christians to be killed, I think God could forgive you for whatever it is that you have done. I know an awful lot of people, they look at us within the church and they say, you're constantly saying, don't do this and don't do that. And yes, the Bible does teach there are many things we ought not to do and there are many things we must do. Let me give you some encouragement. I don't care what you have done, whether you're here, or whether you're watching this on TV, whether you've, whether you've killed people, cheated on your spouse, I don't care what that is, God will forgive any of that. Are there requirements? Yes, there are, but God will forgive any of that. And if a person like Paul and the things that Paul had done can be forgiven, any of us as Christians who are willing to repent, we can be forgiven. We can continue, as I said earlier, to choose and to change. Choose and change. Listen to Hebrews 8.12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Over in Mark 2.17, Jesus said He came to call sinners to repentance. That's you and that is me. Jesus never went out and taught as if those things were optional. They weren't, they weren't optional. Why was Jesus, why did He say that He came to call sinners to repentance? He understood the necessity for us as, as followers of God to be repentive to choose and to change. Now what's interesting is, is where it says their sins and their iniquities, I, will, uh, uh, I remember no more. In the Greek, that's in the absolute negative. Now I, I don't have a, a, probably a better way to render it in the English, but the point is, is what he's saying is, is that when I forgive you, I forgive you. When you've repented and moved on from that, and you're cleansed by the blood of Christ, John 1 verses 7 through 9, for your sins, I've forgotten it, and I, I will not remember it. It's gone. It's behind me. It's kind of like the idea if, if your sins were written on a slate, and, and as you repent of those and move on, as we're commanded, and Jesus said, I, I'm here to call sinners to repentance, it's taken off the slate. It's not there anymore. You can't see it anymore. It's forgiven. It's gone. Well, there are other sins that are going to come but we can continue to choose and we can continue to change. Again, listen to Hebrews 10, verses 16 through 17. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. If we're going to be faithful to God, we have to be willing to forget our past sins because God does when we repent. And each time we can say, I'm not that person anymore, but at the same point I realize I'm, I'm a Christian that needs to continue to better myself daily. I'm not who I once was, but I can be so much better. I can continue to choose and change. And guys, the areas I need to choose and change are going to vary again depending on the aspects and the trials that I'm struggling with. I can't rest on the previous good things that I have done for Christ. I've got to continue to better myself. I'm going to talk about this for just a second because there's a lot of people that teach, well, you know, you've become a Christian and that's good enough. And some will sit back and even rest on that idea of the once saved, always saved, right? I became a Christian and I'm good. 
Let me tell you this, there are an awful lot of people who have become Christians. They've made changes in their life where just like us, they could look back and say, listen, I'm not that person anymore. And then you'll find out that later, they've gone back to exactly who they were prior to becoming a Christian. They reverted back to the old man by becoming entangled in worldly ways. Now, a lot of people will say, you can't, you can't fall so much as to fall away from God's grace, and you'll always be saved. Let me just read to you a passage, if you've been taught that or believe that. Because what I'm going to tell you is this. You can become a Christian, and you can, of your own choosing, you can choose to leave God. And you can go back and be entangled in the world. And I'm going to tell you, it's worse if you do that than if you'd never become a Christian in the first place. And you may say, how could you say that, Sean? Listen to 2 Peter 2, starting in verse 20. Peter says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what's he saying? They became Christians. They left all that worldliness through the knowledge of Jesus. He says, They are again entangled therein and overcome. He's talking about their, their being unfaithful. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. There are people who at one point, just like I'm saying and just like you are saying right now, listen, I'm not who I once was. And I would say, but I can, I can be better. There are people who at one point were saying, I'm not who I once was. I'm a Christian now. And many of them have gone back and entangled themselves in the ways of the world. And then there are some who are still Christians. They became Christians and they're just resting on that idea of, hey, I'm a follower of God. I'm good. They're sitting back. They're just, they're just sitting back. Paul had done all of these things for Christ. And he could look at all the congregations that he had established. He can look at all the people who had become Christians. But while realizing that, one, he was a changed man, and two, that he was helping other people to be changed men, he also realized he couldn't just rest on his past successes, and they couldn't just, as Christians, accept in their mind, oh, I'm a follower of God, I'm all good. You don't find that within the writings of Paul. Paul understood he couldn't be complacent. It's not enough to just say, I'm a Christian. It's not enough to just say, I established a congregation there or there. Or It's not enough to say, hey, you know, I tried to teach one person at work this week. It's not enough to just think that I can go through the motions and be complacent. Paul realized he needed to do bigger and better things, greater things. I think Paul was worried about becoming complacent. I think that's why Paul worked so hard. I think Paul felt the need to work as hard as he did because of the things that he had done. When? Well, prior to be, being a Christian. I think Paul realized how much damage he had done, and I think in his mind he was trying to solve that. He knew he couldn't become complacent. I hope that each of you who are sitting here realize the danger of complacency. And I'll talk about that here in just a few minutes. But complacency is probably the most dangerous, one of the most dangerous things that could ever happen to us as a Christian. To think that I can just show up on Sunday and show up on Wednesday and all is good and I don't think about Christ throughout the rest of the week. We don't find that with Paul. 
There are an awful lot of people who, like Paul, have done a lot of great things. Uh, you can go down and, and you can look at a number of books within my offices down there by, by great scholars and, and people who have gone out and done great works with the church. But there are an awful lot of people who think they've accomplished enough, and then they sit back and they, they think about the things that they did in the past, and they don't do anything more. We don't find that with Paul. Those people who thought they had done enough, they became a new creation in Christ, and then they became stagnant. Paul had done a number of things for the cause of Christ. He had started a lot of congregations, but he wasn't done. And I think the reason he wasn't done and he didn't quit was, again, Paul, if you were to ask him, would say, I'm not who I used to be. But Paul would also say, I can do better. I can, you, everywhere Paul went, what happened? There was a revival or a riot. He's either starting a congregation or they're dragging him out of the church or dragging him out to stone him, right? That was Paul's mindset. And again, throughout the book of Acts, we read about him going to numerous cities, converting many people to Christ. How many people are going to go to heaven directly or indirectly, because of Paul or because of the letters of Paul where they have read and they understand the will of God. Paul gave his life for the cause of Christ. In fact, he wrote almost half of the books of our New Testament. But Paul also suffered great things. He suffered greatly. Here's what I find interesting. The one who had persecuted the church so much we find was so much persecuted himself. Listen to 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. You think about what Paul did to establish churches, guys. Listen to this. In labors, in work, more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths oft, of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, and fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. I would say many people probably would have stopped after the first one. Anyway, I've done enough. And Paul would have said, I'm not who I used to be. And it's interesting that he always thought, and you could tell, he thought he could do more. He thought he could do better. Because the normal person here would have just said, I'm, I'm done. I'm giving up. Now, what some of these events aren't even recorded within, our, within the Scriptures, but we know so, Paul suffered greatly for the cause of Christ. And yet, let's take the flip side of the coin here. We have lukewarm Christians today who will not only do the minimum, They'll do just enough to make them feel like they're saved. Let that sink in for a minute. The majority of people today who claim to be Christians will do the bare minimum, enough to make them feel saved. They'll come to worship on Sunday, maybe. And they'll come to Bible study on Wednesday, maybe. 
And if that makes them in their mind feel that they're saved and that's the bare minimum, that's what they're going to do. And if you don't believe that's true, look at the numbers in general regarding the uh, what I call Christendom today. Religious groups are struggling. They're struggling statistically. The numbers are continuing to drop. And yet, if you ask anyone if they're going to heaven, what are they going to tell you? Yep, I'm going to heaven. Guys, coming to Bible study and coming to worship is not a sacrifice. <laughs> they look at it like it is. It's a blessing. It's something we're allowed to do. It should be one of the most important days of the week. And being baptized and attending worship and Bible study for years doesn't mean that you're good and you can just give up and sit back and become complacent. And I said earlier, complacency is probably the most dangerous thing you will find within the church because complacency will eventually result in unfaithfulness if not an outright departure from the faith. Again, I've said it before, it's kind of like the person who's swimming in the water and they're slowly drifting away, but they don't even realize it until they're two miles offshore. And by the time they're two miles offshore, it's, they're, they're too far gone. There's no way they're going to get back. And that's what complacency does. I don't think Paul was complacent. I think when you looked and if you were to ask Paul, he would explain to you, yeah, and he does. I'm not who I used to be, but I don't think he was who he wanted to be either, not to the fullest extent. I think Paul realized he could do something more. He, could, he always thought he could do something more. He could do something better. He could choose and he could change. And we see that. Paul, multiple missionary journeys. Guys, we can never feel that we've accomplished enough. I don't think Paul did. There's always another person that needs to be converted. And as long as we live, there's always going to be work for us to do as the church. 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Paul had an understanding where he was at this point in his life. When Paul threw off the old man, he realized he wasn't that man anymore but he realized he could do better. And he began a fight, and he kept that fight until the day that he died. I think it's all that he ever thought about because he knew that as a Christian he could do more and he could be better tomorrow. And that's our goal as Christians. How much more can I emulate or look like the image of Christ? I'm not trying to look like the image of Paul. Paul was trying to emulate and look like the image of Christ. I emulate Paul because I want to also look like that image of Christ. And so I can say, and I think all of you probably can say, I'm not who I once was, but I can do so much better. There's more areas that I can improve in my marriage. I can be a better husband. I can be a better wife. I can be a better parent. I can do a better job trying to reach out to the lost world around us. We're surrounded by people dying every day. And guys, I'm going to be the first to say, I don't reach out enough. I try constantly. I don't do enough. And I think all of us, if we're honest, would say, yeah, I'm not who I once was, but I could do a whole lot better. If we're going to be honest. In Romans 1.15, Paul says, So as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Paul says at Rome. What about at Walmart? What about at Target? What about in a restaurant? Where are you ready to preach the gospel? Where are you ready to teach? In 1 Corinthians 9.16, he says, For though I preach the gospel, 
He's an apostle, remember that. I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Paul felt the, Paul felt the need to preach. Here is a man who persecuted the church and did great damage to the church, created havoc of it, and he says, I don't have anything to glory of. He's an apostle. He says, I have nothing to glory of. Necessity is laid upon me. I have to do this. Guys, that should be the mindset of every one of us as a Christians. None of us deserve to go to heaven. Not one of us. But by the grace of God, through the blood of Jesus Christ, every one of us has that potential. And so our mindset should be, yeah, I'm not, I'm not who I once was. I'm better. But I can be even better tomorrow. And I can do a better job in a number of areas. We have to have that same mindset as Paul. Revelation 2.10, you all know the passage, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Guys, if we're going to continue to be faithful to God, the new creations that we have become in Christ, they have to strive to be more holy and more productive tomorrow than we were today. That means I'm going to be a better husband. It means if you're a wife, you need to be a better wife. If I'm a parent, I need to be a better parent. In all areas, I need to continue to strive to do better, Paul said he presses toward the goal. He realized there was an eternity in heaven for the faithful. He didn't have some retirement plan set up as an apostle. There wasn't any retirement. I don't think Paul for a second thought, you know what, I've started all these congregations and I've done so much. I mean, everybody knows who Paul is, right? I'm going to sit back and take it easy now. It's time to retire. There's no retirement, not for a Christian. Our vocation is Christianity. Paul knew that. Every day was, what can I do today? Philippians 3.12. I'll read down to verse 14. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of, Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, Paul realized that there were some things he had to put behind him, but Paul also makes it very clear here. He, he, he can't stop working for the kingdom of God. As long as he was living, he had work to do. I think Paul realized the danger of complacency. I don't think many of our brethren do, but I think Paul did. And even as he was in prison, we see Paul was working. And throughout the book there of Philippians, Paul refers to his hope in heaven. In Philippians 1.21, he says, For to me, to live is Christ. Listen to this. And to die is gain. How many of you actually think that way? I say all the time, I'm not scared to die but I don't want to go anytime soon. i got a lot of stuff I want to do. But that's what we find Paul saying here. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is, is gain. It, it's great if I'm here. It's even better if I'm not. And I would say the majority of people don't think that way. But do you see the oneness in the thought there by Paul? Do you see the confidence in the faith of Paul? Listen to Philippians 3.20. For our conversation or our manner of life is in heaven, 
from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. Does this sound like Paul struggling with the concept of death? Doesn't sound like he is to me. Does it sound like he's struggling with the concept of, of getting older in life? Doesn't sound like it to me. Does it sound like he's struggling with the concept of resurrection for the believers? Doesn't sound like it to me. Paul had his goal in sight. He knew exactly where he was going, and he wanted to take as many people with him as he could. And I believe wholeheartedly if you to ask Paul, well, who were you before? He would tell you, I'm not who I used to be. But I can do a whole lot better. And you see that. He wanted to take as many people as he could. That meant he needed to get others to throw off the old man to become a Christian just like him. And they needed to strive daily, just like Paul, to become more than they were the day before. And today as Christians, we have to continue to press toward the goal so that we can spend our eternity in heaven. We have to, we have to forget the old man that we put to death, but we also need to press toward the goal as we look for eternal life. We can always do better. I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, there are some things we need to put behind us and forget. And sometimes that's hard. And there's other things we don't want to forget at all. And sometimes the things we don't want to forget are maybe the most hurtful things in our life. Because it reminds us we don't ever want to go back and be that person again. Maybe thinking about how horrible or the things that you had done in your past life will keep you from doing it all over. Paul here realized there was a reward waiting for him. Listen to 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 through 8. I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. And henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And listen to this, and this is why Paul worked so hard. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And I want you to notice, Paul didn't bring up the old man he was before he was a Christian. <laughs> he put those failures behind him because he knew that God did. God didn't hold him against him anymore. And he didn't say, I failed. He said, I kept the faith. As Christians, we're going to struggle. We're going to make mistakes. Don't say you failed. Your goal is to say, I've kept the faith. Yeah, you're not who you were before. But you can be so much more. You can do so much better. And Paul focused on this reward of keeping the faith, and so should we. And as we notice the words of Paul here, we see the importance of forgetting that old man. But we also realize, and I'm not using this like you see people use it today, Christianity is about self-improvement every day as we try to become more and more like our Savior. Listen to 1 Corinthians 4.16. Paul says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Every day we put off the old man, and every day we continue to strive to do better as we're being renewed day by day. And guys, that all starts when you become a Christian. There ain't nobody who is not a Christian who thinks or should think that they're going to go to heaven. 
The, prom the spiritual promises within the Bible are for the followers of Christ. And if you're watching this, and you may be saying, I don't know how to become a Christian. It's not very complicated. I'd, I'd urge you to grab a piece of paper if you don't have one. I'm just going to jot off a bunch of verses. Uh, I may quote them. I may not by memory. To become a Christian is not complicated. It's not complicated at all. As you begin to go through all the accounts of those who became Christians, we see that they had faith. Now, Jesus made it very clear in John 8, 24. He said, if you don't believe that I am He, you're going to die in your sins. So certainly you have to believe. You need to have faith. Write down Hebrews eleven six. 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. What am I saying? Of course you have to have faith, and of course you need to believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Everyone who became a Christian did. They also needed to repent of their sins. Now Jesus over in Luke 13, 3 and 5 said, Nay, I tell you, except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Now some will take that and say, Well, He was talking to the Jews there. He's not talking to us. Let me remind you, as I mentioned earlier in Mark 2, 17, Jesus came to preach repentance to sinners. In Romans 3, 23 and 6, 23, every one of us is a sinner and we've all come short of the glory of God. So don't think for a second that you can come to God on your terms. You need to have faith. You need to believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God and you need to repent of your sins. We also find in the conversion accounts that they actually confessed Christ. You could go over and look at Hebrews 8 verses or sorry, Acts 8, verses 37, you'll see the Ethiopian eunuch there confessing Christ. But you could go over and read uh, Romans 10, verses 9, 9 and 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, notice this, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There is no salvation apart from confessing Christ. So you need to know who He is and believe in Him as the Messiah and have faith in Him, repent of your sins. You need to confess Christ with your mouth and you need to be immersed in water. And the majority of the religious world will go, oh, no, whoa, no, come on now, no you don't. Yeah, you do. Go over and look up Mark 16, 15, and 16. Jesus makes it very clear that you do need to believe and you need to be baptized. In Acts 2, 38, Peter said that your baptism is for the remission of sins. That is when sins are remitted. You get into Christ through baptism, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. It actually says that. That's how you get into Christ. It is a burial in water, Romans 6, 3 through 4. Guess, uh, guess what? This is where you come up as a new creation in Christ. And 1 Peter 3, 21 says it saves you. That point of coming up the water with the sins being forgiven is when you say, I'm not the man that I once was. But you also acknowledge that you can do so much better. Because every day your goal is to become a little bit more like Christ. I hope every one of us can say, I'm not who I used to be yesterday. But I'm also not who I want to be tomorrow. If there's a way that we can assist you in any way, you can come forward as we're letting a song of invitation.